1: Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. If you're working and leading in a B2B company that offers a product or service, customer experience is a key driver for sustainable growth, and you're likely not creating that experience all by yourself. Strategic partners or channel partners are going to make a huge impact in delivering that experience. We're going to explore how to optimize these relationships with two passionate experts and authors of a recent ebook on this topic. So we're going to dive into that, explore how to really create meaningful relationships with partners that deliver an experience that is going to make a difference for you long-term. Nancy Ridge is founder and president of Ridge Innovative and a committed ecosystem strategist. She brings over 25 years of experience as a trusted advisor to clients And her focus is on enabling business outcomes through technology. Nancy also offers programs for developing channels, leadership, team selling, and one-on-one professional coaching. Nancy's also uh, very visible out on the speaker circuit on panels. She's been a moderator, serves as a keynote on topics ranging from technology to mentoring and gender diversity. Nancy is also the co-founder and past president of the Alliance of Channel Women. Also joining today is Norma Wattenpah. And Norma is the founding principal and CEO of Phoenix Consulting Group, which provides education and consulting services with expertise in go-to-market strategy, channel and alliance management, and ecosystem development. She's worked with major companies. You've heard of these, Amazon, Adobe, Cisco, DuPont, Dell, Google, and the list goes on and on. Norma was named a woman of influence in Silicon Valley by the Silicon Valley Business Journal for her work in advancing best practices in collaborative business relationships. Norma was also recently inducted into the Forbes Business Council. That's an invitation-only community of successful business leaders. So Nancy and Norma, welcome to Market Impact Insights.
2: Thanks, Dan. Thank you.
1: So we're going to get started here and, you know, you've focused so much of your energy and and effort in this area of developing healthy and productive relationships in the channel and optimizing cross-company relationships that that is really growth-focused. What really fueled your passion to focus in this area? Nancy, we'll start with you.
2: Well, it might sound corny, but... I want to say love (laughs) (laughs) and it is true because uh, the channel are my people and I've worked in the channel for close to 30 years now and over those years have built so many amazing relationships and I've sat on all sides of the table and so I just in fact do have that passion because I know how important it is to really put those needs of other people first, to make sure that people who are out there putting all of their heart and soul into this work, that they have the ability to really develop and perform to their best. And so whatever I can do to support that from whatever side of the table I happen to be sitting on, that kind of lights me up. When I see someone really hitting a milestone, uh, it, it brings me a lot of joy.
1: Wow, there's this emotional foundation that you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Norma, what about you? What, what really uh, prompted you to really make it your life mission uh, to really help others build these relationships?
0: Well, I've been in the alliance and partnering profession for quite a long time. And one of the things that I discovered early on when I was tasked to develop new markets was that you couldn't do it alone. Um, particularly, this was trying to expand um, a Unix, you know, computer into new 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 markets, and you had to you had to go there with partners because yeah. there was no other way in. You know, you had to you had to work with the people who were already there and could see the value of what you were doing, and that was eye opening to me at the time. In that, uh, how much more value you could create and how much more ground you could cover when you're working with you know seasoned um partners who, who knew the territory. But beyond that, when I stopped um when I moved into consulting and in consulting and partnering and, and alliances, I found that that very few people knew what we did. And it really wasn't recognized as a profession. And that became my passion over the last 20 some years with um, ASAP was trying to develop partner management into a recognized profession. And so I've done a lot of work with them in developing certifications, revamping the body of knowledge, the handbook for Alliance managers, and working with the ISO committee for collaborative business relationships and establishing a a business management standard for managing partnerships and relationships.
1: What a unique experience! It's not very often that we get a chance to literally invent kind of a new recognized professional function and role, right? I mean, that is. Uh,
0: really Don't think something. I invented it. It was just something that that needed the visibility and the you know the formalization around it so it would be recognized.
1: Yeah, making it real. Um, and so, Nancy, I know you partnered with Norma on this recent ebook. Uh, that you uh, announced and and launched. Partners are the customer experience. Can you talk a little bit more about why partner experience is becoming and continues to be so important in today's marketplace and what makes delivering a great experience so hard?
2: Well, as Norma mentioned earlier, you can't do it alone. Uh, the The level of complexity that exists in Today's solutions, whether it's strictly technology or even how we go to market, really do require these partnerships to work well. And I would say that, you know, what is making it uh, difficult, like what makes it so hard is it really requires a mindset. And certainly, as in most things, you know, that mindset really comes from the top. From the leadership, And yet adoption is still a bit slow. I mean, we know that partner experience is hugely important in delivering customer experience. And we'll dig into that a little bit deeper here. But just to talk about, you know, what makes it delivering it so difficult. Uh, I, I believe that we're still in the transition phase, you know, we're not quite there yet, where, like us, we're evangelizing partner experience, but a lot of folks are still you know catching on and you know some of the stats that I heard recently indicated that large enterprises are beginning to invest in ecosystems they're beginning to really believe mm-hmm. um, in fact ninety percent of the Forbes cloud one hundred have now made some move in the direction some commitment to ecosystems so since 2020 it's been exponential growth but one of the stats i heard that was interesting is that it's still just eight percent of the total addressable market and meanwhile as you know we're seeing huge layoffs over hundred thousand people yes. at over 250 companies in 2023 alone so it really does require those leaders at the top to make that commitment And, you know, it's hard for them to do that because they're looking at so many other factors. Uh, For example, uh, there's a a client that I'm working with now where they really need a systems rehaul to deliver that great customer and partner experience. And yet it's going to be really disruptive to go in there and interrupt their systems and their flow and how things work behind the scenes. It's going to take a lot of resources However, you know, they have to do it because having great systems that integrate and automate are really table stakes for organizations to scale and to deliver that promise on partner experience. So um, there's still a lot of good work to be done, but I think the recognition's there.
1: Yeah, it sounds like just some of the natural fear or uncertainty that can come with driving any sort of change in a in a dynamic marketplace that can be kind of the headwind to making it happen but then the necessity uh if there's a recognition of the necessity that can kind of get you over the hump uh you know to really make it happen and start learning from trying yes yeah absolutely, absolutely. now norma in partnering with nancy on your ebook Can you talk a little bit about the process of that? What what was that like? Uh, Because I know authoring anything can be a major effort. And was there anything unexpected you took out of that in terms of learning and moving forward?
0: Well, Nancy and I were, I think the moment of enlightenment was when we heard Tiffany Bova speak about how um, employee experience had such a major impact on customer experience and in her work research with uh, Forbes and Salesforce discovered that companies that had both high satisfaction among employees also had a great customer um, experience and were growing almost twice as fast as their peers that did not. And so we asked, so where's the partner experience? Because so many of our customers experience our products, our brands, or services through through partners. So we started to look for that research. You know, who had done that, that correlated partner experience to customer experience? And we talked to, you know, the analysts. We talked to Forrester. We talked to IDC. We talked to Tiffany. And it just wasn't there. And so for us, the process of writing the book was more about the process of doing the research. We said, okay, let's do it. And we had great support from some of these people, by the way, and that was that was great. Um, but it took us uh, about over a year to do the research. We had a couple of false starts. We had to kind of retune our process. So, you know, when we got to that point where we had a great cross section of responses from across an ecosystem, and their responses, writing writing was the least of it. It was really getting to the content, to the proof points of how partner experience really drives customer experience. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that I think were unexpected from that were actually validations of stuff we had an intuition about. Uh, one was that 98, 99% of our respondents said that customers realized better business outcomes through partners. And that was Kind of yeah, something that wow. kind of knocked us back is that there was that much consensus and agreement that customers actually got a better experience through partners. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that really kind of validates the investment and just the the evolution you know, in the channel and because uh, that has always been the premise, which is it's all about value add, but 98, 99%, <laughs> that is uh, a huge, huge number. Mm-hmm. Now Nancy, one of my favorite sections in my book The Impact Makers is where I'm recaptured our previous conversation on this this idea of ecosystems and how that's being mentioned more it's being referred to more in the context of these partnerships. It'd be helpful to kind of walk through again what does the term ecosystems or concept really mean and how do you see it continuing to shape future success of these relationships, these partnerships?
2: That's a great question, Dan. Um, And there are so many definitions for ecosystem. I always go back to the Drucker School of Management definition, which is pretty simple and straightforward and essentially says an ecosystem is an interdependent value creation network that reaches beyond the boundaries of an organization with the focus on value creation, in my opinion. And of course, you know, an ecosystem can include a lot of uh, different players. Typically there are alliances, technology partners, customers, suppliers, distributors, anybody who plays a role in that overall um, creation and delivery of a company's products and services, and especially with the value. And so what I feel is the work that Norm and I did in our study really put a spotlight on that future success through partners. And that's because we found the partner value at literally every touch point along the way. And the data really supported it. So one of the questions we asked was, what role does the partner play in the customer journey, because we know the customer journey has forever changed. And what we found was in the pre-sale side, this as to Norma's point, wasn't super surprising, but it was interesting, 87% that the, says the partner identify the opportunity. And interestingly as well, 61% said that they provide the business strategy. So then you look at what at the point of sale, 58% said the partner augments the sale with some sort of complementary technology or IP, which that's a real growing trend for partners. are offering IP as a growing component. Uh, that's really a hallmark today, I think, of a successful partner is that they're bringing uh, their own suite Spot, shall we say, or their solution into the overall bundle. And that's another value point. And I think it really points to that uh, contribution that's made within the ecosystem. And to that point, on the post-sale side, we found 72% provide integration or professional services to the launch or implementation of a solution. So that points to... Uh, ecosystem really being critical uh, to future success, kind of across the board, because to Norma's point earlier, we need each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That interconnectedness. Now, Norma, you've said something really interesting, and that is that partner experience is an extension of your brand. What's that all about? And how do you see measurement of brand impact playing in, uh, going forward.
0: Well, I think to, you know, just extend what Nancy said a little bit of that partners are at every touch point of the customer journey. So it it really, and it's not the same partner across that journey either. So it's really an ecosystem experience, but they're actually experiencing your products and services through their relationships with partners. And through their expertise so partners are responsible for you know if they're not competent capable and knowledgeable about you your brand your positioning they can you know either lead customers astray not give them the right information if they're not competent it could be a very bad experience on the other hand if they are you know well enabled and equipped and enablement is you know key thing we found in our research, I don't have the numbers handy, um, but it was one of the top, um, top um, things that you can do to improve a partner's experience that has an impact with customers is the enablement piece, both technical sales mm-hmm. and marketing. And I think we need to be cognizant that everything we do to improve a partner's competency and capability is experienced at the customer end of the transaction, so and and beyond. It's beyond the transaction. I should include because they're they after they're there after the sale to implement and provide ongoing care and services, and can actually help to expand your business, expand your footprint within customers if they're getting continuous and ongoing uh, support and TLC from the partners. And how yeah, do makes- you measure brand impact? I, I think one of the ways is not the traditional marketing brand impact measure, but is your business growing? If partners are in the account, are there a better retention? Are they upsell, cross-sell, you know, better engagement with you through your partners?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really takes it down to um, bottom line measurement, really, some of those mm-hmm. financial measures. Are probably already in place, but then it's being able to show the contribution of your overall channel and partner strategy into driving those financials. That uh, makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in any organization, uh, it's one thing to have a strategy, uh, and then it's another thing to put that strategy into action and then achieve results through execution. And Nancy, uh, we know because we've worked in big organizations. We know that there's this dynamic about leadership and the role of senior leadership in making any strategy effective. And when it comes to channel and partner success, I'm sure that's the case. How do you see things playing out there?
2: It is absolutely the case. It's critical because the senior leader must have the vision to create a mission statement around any sort of partner or ecosystem program or strategy within their organization. And they have to have the vision to see the value proposition more importantly, if there's going to be a successful program and having that mission and that vision, which the vision should have metrics by the way that uh, everyone can be held accountable to, but certainly there are resources that have to be committed and Senior leadership has to be willing, as they often do, you know, to take that risk to put the people, the process and the technologies in place to support it. And then, of course, they need to be available to be that point of escalation when the challenges pop up along the way, which they always do. So, you know, in my experience, working with organizations who are uh, launching these programs are much more successful when You can come back to the leader where they're engaged, they're checking in on a regular basis to see how things are going, to really care for the partner, whether it's through an advisory board type of environment or meeting with their uh, managers and leaders to look at QBRs and results along those lines. Mm -hmm. But at any time, be ready to come out and say, I support this. Leadership supports this. This is why it's important to our company. And they need to be ready to say that, not just to their internal team, but to their board. You know, oftentimes are their investors. Uh, and these programs don't always uh, take hold and become successful overnight. You have to build it. But I think uh, CEOs are starting to see that multiplier effect that analysts like Jay McBain's talked about so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some still feel like cost is number one. And of course, it is in this current economic environment. But, you know, COVID really showed us so many examples where this isn't true. Um, One of them I think about is in the supply chain, where, you know, they were very brittle when they were lean, when they just focused on lean supply chains because of cost. You know, COVID came along and broke that whole model. And then they were forced to borrow capacity and skills from partners in their ecosystems. So we're starting to you know, have some hard lessons that we can point to uh, that hopefully will give those, uh, those leaders a little more courage and conviction in going down this path.
1: You brought up a really important point, which is in this critical area of leadership support, that this is not a place where subtle or quiet Support is enough, right? Right. I mean, you got to be visible. So as a leader, it's like, no, I mean, really, you know, it's not just behind the scenes. This is like, Mm -hmm. be vocal, be visible, um, set the tone inside the organization. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. And so just keeping on this topic of leadership, you know, Norma, you've worked with so many successful leaders over the years. What have you seen that really separates truly exceptional leaders from those that are just not good enough
0: well if i can share personal experience not that i want to put myself in the category as an exceptional leader but i was put into a leadership position when i was very young 25 years old just a few years out of college and most of the people working for me well they were all men and they were mostly in their 40s and they were it was a technical publications group and I knew I wasn't going to be successful if I tried to be the boss lady, right? Uh, Because these guys were all more experienced than I
1: was.
0: (laughs) But what I found I did do well and better than most of the others was I worked across organizations very well. I could work with product management and engineering and other publication groups and build relationships and, collaborate well with them to be sure that my team had what they needed to be successful. And so that's kind of shaped my management philosophy and what I think does indicate, particularly in our profession, partner marketing, partner management, in that you don't have hierarchical authority very often. You have to use influence and consensus Mm -hmm. building, trying to find a Mm -hmm. common um, vision or objectives and I, I think that works very well in the world of partner management.
1: Yeah, it does come back down to the ability to form, uh, I think, trust, you know, to be able to do mm-hmm. what you talked about, to go across functional lines. In organization, you've got to build an element of trust and respect. And that's not easy. It's, it takes time and work.
2: Mm-hmm. And by the way, Norma, you are an exceptional leader.
1: Absolutely, uh, absolutely, um that's the and yeah, just to share that story um that that you were able to actually overcome any sort of intimidation or fear as someone who is earlier in their career and coming into that and just figuring it out that's that's really interesting, you know mm-hmm. how how that all came together
2: mm-hmm. and Dan, I have to tell you well, that kind of Norma servant. has used the used the word servant leadership with me before, too. And I see that in her. I know that resonates with you as well.
1: It's putting others first, right? It's it's the first instinct is going to think, think thinking about removing barriers and it's not about ego and it's not about command and control. And so, Norma, you're speaking the language. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so learn the hard way. Yeah. T- that's right. And so we've talked a bit about the leadership aspect, but also, you know, if you look at thriving organizations. And what are the dimensions that contribute to that? And uh, what I found is it usually comes down to a combination of process, technology, and people. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the people dimension, but Nancy, can you expand a little bit on that intersection, you know, across those dimensions?
2: Sure. And, you know, I'll kind of hark back to that unexpected learning that Norma mentioned earlier that, you know, close to 99% or essentially the vast majority agreed that when this mix is working, partner experience is delivering, customer experience is better and those business outcomes are achieved. So that's really what the ideal intersection looks like when it all comes together. And essentially, you know, that you have that alignment and that satisfaction all around And going back to her reference, you know, with Tiffany's study, and in fact, she has a new book out, The Experience Mindset, which uh, is fantastic and digs deeper into this idea of employee experience and how impactful that is, you know, that is part of the people equation um, that flows directly to the partners, which then flows directly to the customers, and we get that increased revenue and the stickiness. And so I think, especially now where subscription-based models are the way that we do business more and more, uh, that stickiness, that top priority of uh, keeping the customers engaged, keeping them happy and satisfied, that is really the apex of you know what we're all seeking today as we bring these components together.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, Norma, you've built a very successful consulting practice. You're giving guidance and advice all the time. But I want to flip things around and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you ever have received?
0: Well, it's actually life advice I received from my father when I was just a kid. And he would say, Norma, if you talk to a stupid person and you don't learn anything, then who's the stupid person? I've, I hark back to that all the time. It's like when I'm dealing with, with difficult people or thorny situations, you know, I said, okay, listen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That is really good. And I'd like to ask both of you because you're very forward thinking. We're obviously in really dynamic times, but through everything that you're seeing out there, And when you wake up every day, what continues to make you optimistic about the future? Nancy?
2: Well, I think what really makes me the most optimistic is the next generation. Um, The young people, they are so smart. They are so naturally diverse. They are so tech savvy and open-minded you know, I I got to see a lot of them at uh, a conference last week at the Supernode conference and they were asking all the right questions. <laughs> yeah. And there was just so much enthusiasm. Uh, I I am constantly inspired by that next generation.
1: Yeah, Norma, how about you? What what's really driving your optimism?
0: Well, I'm going to echo what Nancy said about the younger generation. And I would add that they seem to be much more collaborative, much more able to trust to work together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a critical element when we look at some of the big issues we have in the world today, because it's going to take uh, ecosystems and a collaborative mindset to solve them. If you look at, you know, the issues we have with um, climate change as an example, or advancing green energy. Um, the headway making headway in those areas are through very um, complex networks of ecosystems, of businesses, of government agencies and NGOs. And I think the ability to engage within those collaborations, those collaborative ecosystems is uh, how we go forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in talking about the next generation. The other thing I've observed is that next generation uh, is also holding companies to a much higher standard. So when they're making decisions about which company to join, if you're talking about recruiting, um, or if you're talking about even retention or staying, it's more, um, is there a purpose? Do they feel fulfilled? And it's not Mm -hmm. just coming down to salary. Maybe in the past, it was more about salary perks what have you, but seems like there's a different mindset that's evolving today. Um, Are you seeing that too?
0: Very, very Mm -hmm. much so. And I had um, an opportunity to do some ESG work for a client, you know, trying to figure out it was a partner strategy around it. But looking at um, this, this, ESG is environmental, social, and government um, index of how companies are performing in those areas. And what I discovered is, you know, while there might be some backlash about, oh, they're talking about this whooshy stuff instead of hard business. But the fact is that the younger generations look at that, not the index so much, but they look at a company's reputation for um, corporate responsibility in those areas before they make purchase decisions. So it's not just where they work, it's what they buy and what brands they support. And that's why organizations and businesses are paying attention is that, um, in order to make money, they're going to have to appeal to the values of the
2: Mm -hmm. consumers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, the Gen Xers are the most giving of all of all people on the planet these days. A friend of mine started an app that's all about, uh, giving and charities and it's focused at the Gen Xers. Uh, I'm sorry, the Gen Zs, because the Gen Zs are they they give more and a higher percentage of their income than any other generation right now. And the other part too is I think they are so focused on learning all the time. Yeah. You know, to your point, Dan, um, there are studies that I've seen out there that that really uh, bring forth the the stats that support that idea that. If they aren't getting upskilling and reskilling on a regular basis, they're not going to stay. So an organization has to be ready to make sure that as they're attracting and bringing in that fresh young talent, that they're continually providing them with more training and specialization and just keeping them at the forefront.
1: Well, that is so true. And I was just talking to a friend last night, actually works in the creative services space. And she was talking about the rapid impact of AI on what her profession is doing. When you think about visual design,
0: mm-hmm. and it's just changing.
1: Like even six to nine months and, and how uh, people that had developed skill sets you know, to be able to do this work, they're going to have to figure out how to adapt and still figure out a role to add value leveraging the technology because the reality is the technology is here. Mm -hmm. And companies are going to be turning for more, greater efficiency and, and precision. And so, but it's a, it's not an easy thing, you know, because you've got to adapt and learn as a creative professional. So it just, it's everywhere. You know, this idea of learning, adapt, grow is really critical. Yeah. So Nancy, as we start winding down the conversation, do you have any other final advice for leaders that are looking to maximize the potential of their company's partnerships?
2: Well, I would just say, don't forget about trust, because establishing the trust with partners, um, which is based on understanding their business models and demonstrating care for that shared objective of delivering the business outcome to the end user customer. This is what distinguishes businesses from the competition and makes them an attraction to the best partners.
1: Norma, any other final perspective to share with leaders?
0: Yes. I I think once you decide you're going to enter into a partnering model or an ecosystem business model, it affects everyone in the company, and it affects them in terms of how they're able to work within a collaborative relationship. And so you need to look at your skill set Far beyond your alliance manager, your partner managers who directly interface, but it's going to permeate across the functional uh, groups in your organization. And being able to collaborate effectively, both internally and externally, becomes a core competency to be competitive. And you need to invest in that. You need to encourage that. You need to look at how you incent and reward employees to be collaborative and to achieve results through. Teams in collaboration.
1: Makes a lot of sense. So, the ebook, Nancy and Norma collaborated on this. Partners are the customer experience. Uh, how do uh, people get that? What's the easiest way to go find more?
0: Uh, currently, it's for sale on the ASAP website. Um, we can provide the direct link to that. But if people were to go to the Association of Strategic Alliance Professionals website, uh, it's in the store.
1: Fantastic. Uh, It's timely.
0: It's soon be on on Amazon, but not yet.
1: (laughs) All right. It's coming. It's coming and it's just timely and it's spot on in terms of uh, what success is all about. Nancy Mm -hmm. and Norma, thanks again for coming, sharing your experience, your passion, and really inspiring us that, Partnership is so critical for sustainable strategic growth. Thanks again.
2: Thank you, Dan.
0: Thank you.
1: And a reminder to everyone to please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. You can go out, rate, and review on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcast and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.